You got your phone on you. You know, I'm going to give you permission to go ahead and get on Facebook and just post. I'll never be the same. Amen. Go ahead and do that before we get started. But then get off your Facebook. Amen. Let's get on Jesus' book. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I, I want to say before we get started now, we're going to take up our seed offering. Amen. And uh, we want to thank God for all that he's done. And I'm going to try to slow down a little bit uh, tonight so that I don't lose my voice until the end of the service instead of the beginning of the service. Amen. But you see, we got a little problem going on right here with our uh, TV screens right here. And so we need to replace that part of it. I don't even want to tell you how much it is because I don't want you to pass out. Amen. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take up a seat offering. It's going to be by faith. Amen. And I know that whatever is taken up tonight, that God's going to multiply it. God's going to supply it. Amen. And God's going to do it. <laughs> it's about 1200 bucks. To replace it amen i mean that that that's a car payment for some of y'all <laughs> amen amen i'm glad you pulled that out of me stand to your feet we're gonna believe for it tonight amen this is gonna happen Praise God, this is going to happen. Amen. If you're writing a check, you can write it to LCCI. If you're giving online, you can give online at lcci.online. Or you can also, if you've got our app, you can download our app. And uh, there, there'll be a giving place on our app. And you can, uh, you can go there and hit that giving button. And you can give there as well. Amen. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in this place tonight. And we thank you for this power of agreement. Father, I thank you for my sister calling it out. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, and standing up and saying, just speak it uh, and tell us what we need to do. Uh, Father, already unity is moving in this house tonight. Uh, and Father, I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we begin to receive uh, this offering tonight that you're going to move. Uh, God, you're going to move beyond what we could ever think. Uh, Lord, you said in your word you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we shall ask or think uh, according to the power that worketh in us. Uh, and we believe, Heavenly Father, Lord, that it's going to be more than enough uh, that you're going to move in this house. Uh, and Father, we ask you to bless those that give in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may come at this time and give. You spell million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> How many is glad to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. How many had to miss a service or a couple of services? Or? I know I did, and I sure didn't like it. Amen. I didn't. Yeah, I was online one, one time, and praise God, and and got all kinds of different uh, comments online. People, people was texting me and saying, Pastor, you're missing church so much, I've never seen you cry so much. <laughs> Amen. But uh, God is so good. Praise God. And uh, it, was, uh, it was last, wasn't last week, but the week before last. It was during the middle of our revival uh, conference. And... Uh, I didn't sleep all night. I've, I've had a couple of those since then, and but I didn't sleep all night. And it was about two thirty or three o'clock in the morning, and uh, I was just just tossing and turning, and 
and I would reach over and grab my phone and look at the clock and see what time it was. And I'd actually went to bed about, about 11 o'clock. And so it wound up being like 2 o'clock and then 2.30, and I'm thinking, man, what in the world's going on? And so I, I'm sitting there, and I hear this voice in my spirit, and I know the voice of the Holy Ghost, and, and I hear it, and it says, watch this. So I'm, I'm laying in bed, and immediately I open up my eyes, and it's, 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 it's pitch, pitch dark in a, in a room, and I can't see anything. And so I open up my eyes, and... And I know that I heard the voice of God. And so I get up and I look at my phone. It happened to be about 3.30 at that time. And so I got up and I went downstairs. And so I started saying, okay, God, you said, watch this. What do I need to watch? What do I need to watch? What do I need to watch? Now, I'm asking God, what do I need to watch? What do I need to watch? You said, watch this. And so I'm trying to pay attention, trying to see what it is. So, so the next day I was telling my wife, man, there's something amazing going to happen. Praise God. Something amazing going to happen. And God's going to do some amazing things. And it did. I mean, through the conference, God did some, some crazy, radical, amazing things. And even people who wasn't here, who was watching online, and we had a, a, a record-breaking number of people actually watching online uh, for that whole week and people getting touched. And then uh, we get at the end of the revival, of course, you know, the whole story there, COVID just kind of hits everywhere. And it's not just here, but it's everywhere. And I remember that Sunday I couldn't come to church. And, uh, and I, was, I was mad. I was upset. And I was stowing me a fit. <laughs> because I was going to get to preach on a Sunday after the conference. And I was fired up. I was ready to go. And I remember uh, laying in bed, and my wife had run me to the upstairs bedroom and said, you got COVID, you got to get out of here. And so, and so I'm sitting in bed that morning, and I watched my boy Tanner get on stage, and he begins to open up, and he begins to go in and dive off even in more with the series Burn the Boats. And I'm sitting there, and I hear the voice of God, and it says, watch this. I said, okay, God, so I'm watching, and I'm watching. And so... I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here having a pity party about, my, uh, about everything going on, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God just spoke to me again. He said, that's your seed. So I got all excited, praise God. And then this week, anybody ever had one of those weeks, you know, kind of everything, you know, when you're fixing to get into it and everything, and the enemy comes in, and I heard God again, and he said, watch this. And I said, okay, God, this is the third time you said, watch this. And God spoke to me, and he said, I move best in chaos. He said, I move best in chaos. And as we're standing here on, on January the 20th, 2022, 20 means open hand. It means provision it means providing and so we're standing and i know that god is provision and god provides but i need to speak this into you before we get started tonight i want you to pay close attention to what god is going to do in this place tonight because this is a day that god is is paying special attention to what he's going to provide i don't know what it is you're needing I don't know what it is that God's going to do in your life. I don't know if it's a spiritual thing, it's a financial thing, or if it's a relationship thing, whatever it is. But you hear me right now. Listen to me. This is, this is a day that God is magnifying the provision. Amen. Praise God. Anybody ever get a magnifying glass? 
Praise God. The older I get, my 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 glasses come from uh, uh, Dollar Tree. Praise God. And uh, and and I used to make fun at my mom because I used to come over. And my mom would have about fifty of these hanging all over the house, and I think, my God, why why in the world? And so now I've got seven or eight and four or five in my office, and I usually leave them in my office. But when I put these on, it doesn't change. It doesn't change this. It just brings it closer. And so when you begin to praise God, the Bible says that when you magnify God, when you praise God, my God, when you praise God, all it does is it makes him bigger in your life. You magnify God. And I'm telling you right now on this 20th day of January in January the 20th of 2022 God is moving. He's magnifying that power of provision. I don't know what it is that you're needing God to provide but he he is moving right now and I need you to grab a hold of that and understand that before you leave this place tonight you will understand before you turn your mobile device off you will understand what God is doing in his provision in your life tonight. On this super service of unity, we come into agreement that the power of God will move every lying devil out of your life and out of your way, and God will provide. Hallelujah. God will provide. Praise God. If you, if you have your Bibles or maybe you have your phones, I want you to turn with me if you would. Let's go to the book of Amos. Amos chapter 8. Let's go to the book of Amos chapter 8, and I'm also going to read out of chapter 9, but let's go to the book of Amos chapter 8. It's page 798 on my Bible. <laughs> Amen. And so when you get that, just go ahead and stand to your feet one more time. Amen. And maybe you're looking it up and you want to find it, and that's fine. If you're looking for it uh, and you haven't found it, just say, hang on. Praise God. Chapter 8, verse number 11. We're going to read one scripture here. And one scripture. Amos chapter 8, verse number 11. Are you there? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Father, in this house tonight, God began to move. Lord, take us to another level in here. Lord, I pray that those that ain't got their shouting shoes on, the Heavenly Father, Lord, you supply them. Heavenly Father, those, Lord, that ain't got their amen voice, you supply it. Those that their feelings have gotten away and their faith has fallen out of the way. God, you begin to move in this place. You increase the faith. You increase the power. And you increase the glory in this house. God, you do the provisional. Heavenly Father, Lord, and we pray and we believe in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. Let's switch over to uh, Amos chapter 9. Starting at verse number 11 right there, Amos chapter 9. We went from uh, chapter 8 and verse 11. We're going to Amos chapter 9, verse number 11. The Bible says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. I need to tell somebody before we get started. You can write this down if you're writing something down. The house of Saul is over with. Yeah. 
the tabernacle of David is being built now. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the house of Saul is over. The tabernacle of David is being built now. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair the damages. I will raise up his ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Next verse. Hallelujah. Verse number 12. That they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all of the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that he doeth this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Let me say that again. The days will come that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Woo. And the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. Hallelujah. Now that we're understanding this and God is moving us through and God is bringing us through as we stand in complete agreement that 2022 will be the year not only of God providing and moving in chaos, but it will be the year that unity begins to move in the house of God. And let me tell you something. If you're waiting to see unity come in the schools, if you're waiting to see unity come in, in the White House, or you're seeing waiting to see uh, unity come from your senator or your governor, I'm telling you right now that it, that, 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 that it has to begin at the house of God first. Listen to me. It has to begin at the house of God first. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, when he was getting ready to go to the cross, the first place he went to was the house of God because judgment begins at the house of God first. Come on, somebody. We can't be looking at what's going to happen down the road or down the street or what's going to happen, but God is moving in the house of God first. And let me just say this. The unity will begin to move and spread through the house of God. And when America starts seeing the church come back in unity again, I'm telling you, we're going to see some things change. There was a time when the United States of America didn't pass a law until they run it through the pastors of the church in America, until they talked to the board of the Baptists and the Free Will Baptists and the Pentecostal and the Assembly. Come on, somebody. And they run it through the congregation of the church and they talked it over with pastors and they was absolutely afraid to pass a bill that would come against and offend the church. And now it's gotten to where the church has got so divided. That word D means two. Divided. It means two visions. That's why you got divorce. It means divided. It's two. It's separate. And here's the thing is when the church stands in a place of division, then it's two visions. Anything with two heads is a freak. And I want you to know right now that the church has got to come back together. And we got to move. And I know that we want unity with our black brothers, with our Hispanic brothers, and with our Baptist brothers, and with our Democrats, and with our Republicans, and I understand that, but if you don't get unity with God first, then anything else will fail, because it's not going to supply it, but when you come into unity with God, and you begin to move into his glory, and his power, things begin to happen. Things begin to happen. And so, 
when we talk about this store, we're going to talk about the table of unity, and I'm going to leave this up here for probably two or three weeks, so this bread is kind of fresh now, but it's going to be hard in a week or so, praise God. And, but when we talk about the table of unity, we have to start first with King David because, because first of all, David was the only king that was ever chosen by God. Every other king that come under King David's uh, uh, leadership was in the bloodline and in the lineage. Uh, but he was the only king that has ever been chosen uh, or was chosen by God. God put him in that position. Uh, and I got some good news for you. Uh, if you've been chosen by God, I don't care how much hell you've been fighting. Uh, I don't care how much stuff you had to go through. Uh, I don't care how many friends you lost. Uh, I don't care how much dope you put in your veins. Uh, I don't care how many people you lost trust with. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, if you've been chosen by God then God said hang on just a minute I'm going to stand in the middle of it and I fight all hell for you because you're mine and when you become the chosen of God you ain't got to worry about if your friends ever like you again you ain't got to worry about if you ever get your life back again you come into unity with God and heaven will come out in your place it'll stand in your position and it'll stand behind you and when hell tries to come against you the angel of God will stand there just like this and tell that lying devil, you go ahead and wink one more time. I'll knock that eyelash, put them off of your face because I won't mess with you. That was mine. I chose that one. There's a difference when God chooses you. When you look at David's life, it was a mess. But when you understand that he was chosen by God, and when you're chosen by God, God don't break covenant. He makes covenant. And when he cans, stands in a covenant with you, he doesn't back down. David is chosen by God. And you have to understand he's chosen by God after first that the people made a choice. They got this award show called The People's Choice. Anybody ever watch The People's Choice? Well, it ain't worth watching. But anyway, <laughs> it's what the people choose. And one day, while they was wanting to be like everybody else, look at your neighbor and say, you can't be like everybody else. I used to tell my mom and dad when I would go to school, praise God, I'd go to school, and I'd, I'd, tell, I'd tell my mom, I want to dress like this, mama. I want to look like this. And, I had to go sit in the barber shop and get my ears lowered. Anybody ever had to get your ears lowered? I, praise God. I, and, 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 and going in the 70s and 80s and everybody, I, oh, 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 all the guys had, had the long hair. Praise God. The mullet didn't really come out real good until the 80s. Sometime, praise God, and it's coming back, and I think I like it. But anyway, <laughs> I wanted to be like everybody else. And I remember I come home, and I, I told my mom, I said, I, I, I don't want to look like that. I want to look like this. I want to look like everybody else. He said, we are not like everybody else. And Israel had come to a point and to a place where they wanted to be like everybody else. And one day Saul come walking down the road from the tribe of Benjamin. The Bible says he was a head and shoulders tall, taller than everybody else. Saul was about seven foot tall. If you can just imagine, at that time, the biggest man in the region was a Philistine named Goliath, and he was about nine foot tall. And Saul was just about two foot shorter than Goliath was. He was one of the biggest men. He come walking down through the streets one day, and somebody looked over and said, oh, yeah, we could do really good if we had a king that looked like that. Not only was to 
was Saul seven foot tall, but he was very good looking. And not only was he very good looking, but he was from the stock and the tribe of Benjamin. And everybody thought we could really do some good if we had a king like that. Somebody that would lead us like that. And so the Bible said that God said, hang on just a minute. And they kept crying and crying. And God stepped out of the way and he told Samuel, he said, give the people what they want. I need to tell somebody, listen to me. You can talk about you want unity all you want to. Praise God. If you didn't come in here for some rated R preaching tonight, praise God. You say rated R. My God, is he going to say some four letter words? The only F word I'm going to talk about here tonight is forgiveness. Praise God. But I come in here to tell you tonight that we're going to get down and dirty with it and to the point with it because I'm sick and tired of tipping through, uh, through the tulips. I'm sick and tired of playing church. I'm sick and tired of coming to church and going home and feeling good. I want to go to church and come home and wrap my feet up because of preachers stepped all over my foot. I want to come to church and I can't move because he's standing on my foot. I want to be able to, to, to move into a place and I need to tell somebody, if you want unity, then you can't talk like that no more. Come on somebody. If you want unity with God, you can't sleep with her no more. You can't sleep with him no more. Oh y'all, I lost my amens. If you want unity of God, you can't walk in those places like that. You can't watch that movie no more. My God, you can't watch that TV show no more. Come on somebody. Are you with me tonight? If you really want unity with God, God is not a schizophrenic. He's not sitting up and wondering how he's going to make it. He said, I am God all by myself. And if you want to come into unity with me, you got to do it my way. And the unity of the church and God, I know y'all thought we was going to come in here and light a candle and hold hands and sing kumbaya, praise God, because we got a unity service. Oh, we got a unity service tonight. Oh, it's going to be cute. We're going to light candles. We're going to hold hands, and we're going to sing, and everybody's going to love everybody. And I just fooled y'all. Y'all thought I was going to be Southern Baptist or Free Will Baptist. And I turned Pentecostal wholeness on you real quick, praise God, because the thing about what God is doing is he is moving through the lands in the churches and he's looking and there is a remnant and I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to tell you right now I'll fight you from the full, from the pulpit to the pew because I want a revival that will stand against anything else I don't want a worldly revival I don't want a revival like they had in the 80s I want a revival of today I want a fresh fire I want a fresh anointing I want God to move on my life So, God moves out of the way and they choose Saul. The gifts and the calling of God is without repentance. If God has ever called you to do something that will never leave you. I don't care how much dope you put in your veins. Listen to me. I don't care how much alcohol you drink. I don't care how many times you run from church and how many people you sleep with and how many people you've been married to and how many lies you told. Let me tell you something. The gifts and the calling are, are without repentance. God is not an ending giver. He don't give you something and take it away because you messed it up. Listen to me. Listen to me. But here's the problem with the church. He's a gifts and the calling of God doesn't leave. But they're still trying to stand up and use the gifts while they're flirting with the Come on, somebody. Them days are over with. You might have lied to the Holy Ghost before, but the days of Ananias and 
and Sapphira are coming back and you ain't gonna lie to the Holy Ghost like that anymore because you lie is not for sure the power of God is setting upon America and when the church comes into unity you're gonna see a glory of God like you've never seen Saul steps into the place and Saul starts doing good till Saul starts relying on Saul. And he knows that the people chose him. So he's trying to please the people. You know what I like about Life Changes Church? <laughs> Me and God and Anna and the Holy Ghost built this thing in the Salvation Army. Y'all didn't even know nothing about it. Y'all didn't vote me in. Let's guess what? If you don't like me, Bye-bye. I ain't scared. Come on, somebody. I ain't scared. Well, preacher, what are you going to do if we take all of our offerings? Then I'll go down there to the fishing hole and pull a fish out and take some money out of a fish's mouth. Come on, somebody. Because if God can provide there, he can provide anywhere. And I want to tell you something right now. If you don't like it, see you later. Bye, Felicia. Don't let the door split you with a good, hit you with a good Lord split you. Just keep on moving. Because we're moving in another direction. This is 2022. I am not hung up on 2021. If you don't like me, that is fine and dandy. Howdy doody, do your little dance. But I'm still going to preach the truth, the unadulterated, bloody gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to move with a revival that's going to set the captives free. A revival that's going to bring the dopadic in. A revival that's going to save the whoremonger. A revival that's going to take the prostitute and put her back in a right place. A revival that's going to heal the sick that's going to raise the dead a revival that's going to my god i'm about to run in this place a revival that's going to raise a dead church up again i'm trying so he was the people's choice and the people hollered and he's trying to do what the people wanted to do you're trying to do the things, and so he disobeys God. God is the only one that can fire you and keep you in your job at the same time. Come on, somebody. The gifts and calling are without repentance. They'll always be there. But there's one thing that God will strip from you, and that's the anointing. And let me tell you something. The anointing has the power to break bondages and destroy yokes. And if you're wondering why in the world that your life ain't getting any better, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm not preaching this side. Maybe I'll preach to this side. Praise God. He said, I don't care. Bring it on, preacher. Praise God. But, but the thing about it is, is the anointing breaks bondages and destroys yokes. And when the anointing comes on your life, my daddy told me this years ago. And let me tell you something. I just want to put this into you. Maybe I've said it. Praise God. And I believe I had. But if you're ever praying, and while you're praying, and you get the goosey bumps. Anybody ever get the goosey bumps when you're praying? Praise God. Anybody listen to a worship song sometimes, driving down the road, and it hits you just right, and you get the goosey bumps? That's the anointing of God. Did you know that the devil has an anointing of his own? Anybody ever listen to a country song, holding your your your, your gal's hand, and get the goosey bumps, and the butterflies, and what in the world's going? Because the devil's got his anointing too. But let me tell you something. The devil's anointing will pass. 
but God's anointing will sustain and it'll stand up and it'll move things out of your life and I need to tell somebody underneath the anointing of God while you're praying and you feel the goosebumps listen to me listen if you heard nothing I've said all night listen to this when you're praying and you feel the goosebumps I want you to stand up and underneath them goosebumps I want you to tell the devil everything he's got to give back I want you to tell the devil everything that's got to turn loose because underneath the anointing bondage breaks and when you speak it underneath the anointing it happens then you can stand in the prayer line and I can pray with you and by faith you can be healed you can get it in two weeks or three weeks but underneath the anointing it's got to go immediately my God underneath the anointing Steve Box underneath the anointing when God slays you out and the popping sound goes on it happens then it happens immediately and God begins to move you might have hobbled in but you walked out and I need to tell somebody right now when the anointing moves on your life like that it'll move things out of your life it'll set you free it'll do some crazy things hallelujah I would that everybody got that excited when you heard some good preaching I would that it moved people out of their seats again that they're sick and tired When unity comes in, it changes the atmosphere. Saul disobeyed God. <laughs> She's president of my fan club. Listen, 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 listen. He moved underneath and he started doing what God told him to do. And at the time that he began to move past the places and didn't do the things that God had told him to do, when he didn't kill the things that God told him to kill, when he didn't move in the places that God told him to move, and when he failed God and failed God, listen to me, and finally the Bible said that God stripped the anointing off of Saul. He left him in his king. And when he left him in his king, this is what he told David and everybody around. He said he's mine anointing, not yours. You leave him alone. So Somebody hear me. The only reason you didn't die in that car wreck already is because the anointing that your grandmammy prayed on you, that your grandpa prayed on you, the same anointing that God moved upon your life. And you are his and not nobody else's. And I need you to know right now that thank God that you didn't cross the mercy line. Thank God that grace is bigger than your problems. Thank God that he reeled you in. Thank God that you got your mind back. Thank God that you didn't die in the dope house. Thank God that you didn't lose your mind. Thank God that COVID didn't take you out. Thank God you ain't on a ventilator. Thank God that the devil is a lie because you are the black. You are the blessed and the healed of God. And now y'all's making me nervous. Sit down. <laughs> Listen, we can't talk about the table of unity until we understand that when God called David 
out in the field, the people saw Saul. He's seven foot tall. And God says, okay, it's not going to work. And so God looks over and God sees. Praise God. And he looks out in the field and he finds a red-headed Hebrew. Let me tell you something. You don't find many red-headed Hebrews. Hebrews are brown-headed and brown-eyed. But he looks over because of what his daddy made. Jesse made a mistake years ago and he tried to hide it up. And he tried to hide it. You can go read it in the Bible. I ain't got time to have a Bible study just yet. But listen, listen, there was a time when Jesse opened up the front door and his mistress laid David down at the door and said, yes, you did this. You take care of him. And so in other words, to cover it up, why he sent everybody else out on the field, he put David out in a back pasture with a sheep because he's trying to hide something. My God, I don't know who I'm talking to, but he's trying to hide something that he thinks is going to come back and get him. And God looked in the graveyard. He looked in the junkyard. I'm telling you right now, God's better than Sanford and Son. He'll use the junk in your junkyard, and he'll pull it up. Jeremiah 18, he says it best when he said he'd use a marred piece of clay and make it new again, the thing that nobody wanted. Ah, and God will use it for your favor. So he pulls David out in the field and he chooses him. And then he sends Samuel to the house of Jesse. And Samuel goes and he looks at all the boys. Listen to me. He gets that oil. Listen to me. He wasn't cute about it. He didn't go to Walmart and get the good smelling oil and dab it on his finger and rub his head. Listen, this oil that was in the horn was 2.5 gallons of oil. Listen to me. 2.5 gallons of oil that was in the horn. And so when Samuel would walk over, when Samuel said, this is it, and everybody says, and God said, no, listen to me. This is really what happened when he put the horn up over their heads. It didn't flow. And he looked and he said, is this thing stopped up? I don't know. And, he put, and it didn't flow. And, and, and he says, okay, God, that's not it. So he goes to the other son and he gets the horn and he puts it over his head and the oil didn't flow. And he's thinking, I know I put oil in this thing. And he's shaking and he's trying to get it and it's not flowing. And he goes down to all of them. And so finally he sits down confused and says, I know God called me here. Do you have another son? And he said, out in the field. And so here comes Opie, redheaded and freckle face. He don't look like a Hebrew. He looks like everything but a Hebrew. I know everybody in your family and in your life, they looked at you and you was drunk on Saturday night and saved on Sunday night. Praise God. And they're thinking, you don't look saved. You don't look this. You don't look that. Let me tell you something. They didn't call you. God called you. Quit trying to please people. Quit trying to look like somebody wants you to look and be what God told you to be. David comes out on the field and he takes the horn of the oil and he puts it over his head and immediately 2.5 gallons is and Samuel said Lord are you sure look at him Lord he's just a boy he's stubby He's short. He's redheaded. God said, man looks on the outside. But I look on the inside. 
Listen. I preached all that to get to this. Keep on going. I am. God is bringing David in. He's getting to his place. 2 Samuel chapter 4. The Bible says that when Saul and Jonathan died on the battlefield, that Jonathan had a son. He was five years old. And the nanny knew that the king and the prince was gone. Won't be long when the palace is going to be seized. Listen to me. I got about three or four weeks of preaching this. I'm going to preach a lot of stuff in this, but I'm going to stay on this same group. Listen to me. As she jumped up to preserve the seed, the last remaining seed, his granddaddy died, and his daddy died, and there's royal blood pumping through his veins. She's running in a hurry. And one version says she trips and she drops Mephibosheth. One of the versions says it like this. He fell wrong. Now, some of you have fallen at times, but you was able to get back up. And some of you have fallen wrong. It didn't kill you, but you fell wrong. They didn't mean to drop you. But they dropped you. And when you fell, you didn't fall gracefully like some people and you didn't get up and keep going. But you fell wrong. And one version said it crushed both ankle bones in his foot. And so she picked him up in a hurry trying to preserve the seed. I need to tell somebody, you better listen. Listen real good. God's preserving the seed. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how you fell. I don't care if you fell wrong. I don't care if the fall stills hurting you. God preserving the seed. God has a plan for the seed. Second Samuel chapter four. Now Second Samuel chapter six. David takes a full place inside the kingship. His first, his first move. And that administration is bring the Ark of the Covenant back because in stripping the anointing, God moved the Ark of the Covenant away from the house of Saul. And for 20 years, the house of Saul just did it on everything that happened in the past. Well, let me tell you what God did through Abraham. Let me tell you how big my God is with a covenant. Oh, let me tell you what he did when he brought us out of Egypt and he split the Red Sea. Oh, I want to tell you when we took Jericho over. I want to tell you about the walls that fell. I want to tell you about when Joshua came in and we went into the land of milk and honey and all they had was what happened in the past. My God, I need somebody to hear me in here tonight. If all you're talking about is what God did back there but you can't see what he's doing now you better find a place of unity thank God for what he did then but what's he doing now 
Tell me what he's doing now. I know he's good. I know he's good. I know he preserves. I know all the stuff I put in my veins. I know the dope houses I was in. I know I should have died when I was pointed at a gun. I know when I run my truck off the bridge and flipped it three times and threw me out. I should have never made it. I understand that. And I understand the seed. And God is good. But let me tell you what he's doing now. <laughs> so he goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant. Bring it back, and I'm going to talk real fast. I'm going to talk like a New Yorker here. Hang on. He goes and gets it, and they build a new cart. They bring it over. So they think, and so God smote to Uzziah. And they stand back and they wonder, what in the world are you doing? And God said, look, you can't bring my presence in on something that you built or something you did. My presence will always fall on men. I want to tell you something right now. The glory of God is in this place right now. And when you leave, the glory of God's going to leave. You know why? Because the glory doesn't hang around in an empty place. It didn't hang on the stage. It didn't hang on the drums. The anointing will do that. The anointing will hang on cloths and fabrics and M&Ms. Come on, somebody. The anointing will hang on anything you put it on. But the glory of God... It's to be on consecrated men and women of God upon their backs. And in this place right now, the glory of God is here. And when you leave, the glory leaves. The anointing will stay, but the glory leaves. And I need to tell somebody where the glory is, is where the authority is. And when you begin to speak underneath the glory of God, that's the authority. The Bible said he crowned men with glory. The same glory that Adam and Eve had when they took dominion is the same glory that God would put on your life. And you can speak to a thing and it would have to obey underneath the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. died. David's thinking, God, what am I going to do? He goes back and gets it. Y'all know the story. He comes back in. After, after he puts it upon the priest, he takes six steps. Six is the number for man. That's why it's going to be the mark of the beast, 666. It's a number for man. And so he takes six steps. And by the power of man, the Bible said the anointing hit David. That's why Jesus died on the cross for six hours. My God ain't got time yet. Hallelujah. Because it's a number for man. And let me tell you something. He took six steps. And after the six steps, the glory fell. And it hit. And the glory that was upon that ark, it began to move and that ark was crazy to everybody else it was an old piece of wood and everything that was in the ark was ever one of Israel's failures it was nothing good it's where they failed and God said you put it in here and I'll sit on it and all of your failures will be underneath me and nobody will see it and I don't care if they like it or not it's my glory and it won't be revealed as long as I'm on it everything you failed put it underneath me and I'll hide it in my glory Y'all got time for me tonight? Good, because we locked the doors. Listen. Listen, listen, listen. He's moving. This is the only time you ever see in the Bible people talks about David dancing with all of his mind. He didn't do it four or five times. He did it one time. One time, one time, one time. He did it one time. And he's coming into the city of David. And he's dancing with all of his mind. And he takes off his robe. And he takes off his crown. Because he said there's only one room for one king in this place. And I'm going to remove my crown. And I'm going to remove my robe. And I'm going to let him be king. And I'm going to dance in my underwear. Come on, somebody. And so he comes 
comes into town dancing in the ephod and his wife Michael praise God which was Saul's daughter which is a no I ain't got time I, I, I do this week or this this next month praise God but anyway he comes into town and she makes fun of him and laughs at him and said you're a fool don't you know that you're the king and you're stooping yourself down to look like them a king ought to have a robe on a king ought to have a crown on and the king ought to be sitting sitting in a chair and people ought to carry you in and here you're standing out in front of them dancing like a madman and in your underwear and they're watching you what do you think they're going to do when they see that a king would act like you and that's why God said I want the tabernacle of David because David brought the art of worship in and David said let me tell you something I wouldn't go to a church if I was involved with the church and the preacher didn't know how to shout and he didn't know how to worship if all he did is stood and look at you leave the church if the preacher can't lead you in worship and in shouting and in praising God then he needs to move out of the way So David's bringing unity in with him and God. Listen, I'm coming too close. I got a lot to say in the next month over this whole part here. Go, hang on. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh. He comes into unity with God. He brings the Ark of the Covenant in. And he stands in unity in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6. How many knows God will always take you deeper? He's in unity with God, but he still feels, I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper. Listen, there was another king before him. It was Saul. David never disrespected Saul. He honored him. So he come in, and he said, God, I got unity with you. I brought the Ark of the Covenant in, but I feel like I need to go deeper. And the Spirit of God spoke to him, and he said, 2 Samuel chapter 9, is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show my kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because when David was a nobody, let me, let me tell you something. You will never inherit the kingdom of God unless you have a confidant. Listen to me real close. A confidant is somebody who will go to jail with you. They'll get in trouble with you. Come on, some of us got some of those. We're thinking, ooh, yeah. There, a confidant is somebody that even when you're caught in a lie, they'll stand behind you. A confidant, a confidant is somebody that will stand in your face and tell you when you're wrong. A confidant is somebody who will never leave you no matter how much trouble you get into. No matter what people says about you or what they talked about your life, even if you was wrong. I don't care if you did rob the liquor store. When you get out of jail, your confidant is going to get in the El Camino with you, honey. And we're going to drag Maine, praise God, because they're your confidant. They're going to stand in that place with you and let me tell you something if you ain't got a Jonathan David you'll never inherit the kingdom and David found his Jonathan and they made a covenant 
David's coming into a position. He comes into unity with God. And God says, you can go deeper. God says, take the house of Saul and weld it into the house of David and make sure that nobody ever overthrows the kingdom. The Bible says that a wise person will always come in agreement with his enemy. What Proverbs said, that's just Kansas talk, Roger Brown. But says wisdom is come in agreement with your enemy unless they overtake you while you're not looking and steal from you. So he's coming into unity with God. Now God's bringing unity to the house of Saul and bringing in. And so he looks and he said, is there anybody left in the house of Saul? Not for Saul's sake, but for the covenant that I made with Jonathan that I will show my kindness to. I'm coming to an end. Zeba says, there is one. His name is Mephibosheth. He's in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Lodibar was the ghetto. Listen to me. Chad, come to please. Chad and Lane, y'all come on. Russ, come on. Listen. Low debar. It means a place of no pasture. It means a place where fruit don't grow. It means a place of no communication. Here is royal blood. Did he fail wrong? Somebody hear me even watching this and you fail wrong. But because there was a covenant made. Oh my God. I wish I had some room to run. I think I would. Because there was a covenant made. He was in the place of no communication. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss about it. They hit him because he's got royal blood. And they know that anybody left in the king of Saul, in the house of Saul, would have to be slain because they was afraid that the house of Saul would rise up. And so they took him to load the bar. And because he was lame on his feet, and because he didn't look like his granddaddy, and he didn't look like his daddy, because over the time and course of years, the lameness of his feet, because he was in the ghetto he couldn't stand up they couldn't tell if he was almost seven foot tall they couldn't tell what he looked like when he walked down the street because he fell wrong so he hid in Lodabar some of you in this place tonight You've been hiding in low the bar. And the only way that you're ever going to get out is if Zeba comes and gets you. You'll never move. You'll never get out. You're just going to hide. You're going to hide in your sorrows. You're going to hide in your pain. You're going to hide in what if and what would have and how I can. 
You're going to hide and you're going to be all right because you've been fed and you've been clothed. You're in the ghetto. But hey, at least you're alive. And you're going to hide and the only way you're going to get out is if Zeba comes and gets you. And you don't understand that when Zeba comes and gets you, he provides all the way. But when Zeba comes and gets you, he carries you to the king. (laughs) And I'll get into this a little bit longer as we go. But listen, he comes to the king's house. And the king said he will eat bread at my table like one of my children for the rest of his life. And when Mephibosheth sat at the table, everything that was dysfunctional in his life, the table hid the things that didn't work. When he sat at the table, you couldn't tell what was dysfunctional anymore. When he sat at the table, everything that worked looked good. His arms worked. His shoulders worked. He could turn his head. He had a head full of hair. He had a strapping long neck like his granddaddy and like his daddy. And when he sat behind the table, the dysfunctional part that took him to the ghetto was hid. I need to tell somebody tonight, God's coming after unity. He's going to put you at the table of unity and he's going to set you down and everything that don't look right or don't work right, nobody's ever going to notice because God's going to hide the things that happened to you when you fell wrong. 2 Samuel chapter 9, I believe 11 and 12. Chapter 9, verse 12 and 13. Pull it up, please. Quickly, quickly, pull it up. 12 and 13. Listen. Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. I'm saying this in close. God provided. Mephibosheth never received a healing in his legs. Some of you are mad at God because there's some places you've been begging for him to heal. And it ain't happened yet. God said, I didn't ever tell you I would heal every place. But I did tell you that I would hide the places.